NetCloud. Get connected, cyber safe is our mantra. From tailored, managed security solutions to our next generation cloud platform, NetCloud will drive your organization forward and help it thrive. You can keep up to date with us in all things cybersecurity by following us on Twitter at netcloud underscore com. We're also on LinkedIn and YouTube. You can find the links to our social media pages and blogs via our website, netcloud.com. Business cases for flying cars. Today, we're delighted to welcome Deja Molinar, inventor and big friend of many, many different topics in the industry. It's a great pleasure to have you on. How are you doing? I'm fine. Good morning. How are you? I'm I'm really enjoying this. And we met back in 2020 during the pandemic in JISEC in Dubai when you know we were the brave people to make it out and and talk about the development of technology. And I and I remember you made a, a great impression on me because you are working on flying cars, but you also have a, a, a business model that makes it viable. And so I guess with this podcast, I wanted to look at that kind of topic. The the viable business case for flying cars as an introduction to not just flying cars, but to help prove to other businesses that there are lots of ways of achieving your goals. So what, what is the problem you've been solving here? Well, the, the reason I started in this project was just for my own selfish reasons, was to be able to get around at times when uh, the world was crowded. Uh, I am an aviator. I have been, I've been flying for much of my life and the, uh, the the function for aviators is that if we go somewhere with an airplane and the weather's nice and we spend a day or two there and the weather gets bad uh, and we need to return to where we came from, uh, a lot of times people get killed during that. The most, most of the individual uh, flights uh, in private aircraft happen during bad weather. And people are generally induced to do that because they have a reason to get somewhere. They perceive that they have a reason, and it's pretty sad. If you have the alternative to drive uh, and stay on the road and still get home without all the logistics of, uh, you know, transiting back, having to go a long distance, pick up your airplane on a sunny day, et cetera. So what happens, that, that stickiness tends to make people fly in bad weather. So as an aviator, that's one of the things you learn pretty early on. And the way we manage it among my friends is I always tell them, look, if for any reason you can't fly back to where you want to go, just call me. It doesn't matter 24-7. I'm going to drive out. I'll drop everything I'm doing. I'll come out and I'll pick you up. Now, that's that's great when you have that camaraderie, but that's not as common in life uh, among everybody. So what I did was I started building an, an aircraft that was designed so I could fly into congested areas and then potentially just drive away. What I did was I took the old idea of a flying car, which things that always take off and fly, et cetera, and I broke it in half. I said, well, you can only you can fly in, but you can't fly out. And I did that and, and I designed an aircraft that's an auto gyro and a motorcycle. And I built that uh, and had it flying back in 2005. And there's pictures of it now in the Smithsonian Air and Space Museum in uh, Washington, DC. If you go stand at the Wright Brothers wing, you walk a few steps, you'll get to see it. So I'm happy to say that. Uh, but what I did beyond that was um, the rule in aviation is that airframes follow power plants. And so one of the things I wanted to do your, to your question is I wanted to make it so more people could fly. And so I tapped into 
what are, there's hundreds of millions of existing high powered motorcycle engines out there. So that's what I was using. I was using motorcycle engines, which are off the shelf and allowing people to fly with that to reduce the cost of flight. Uh, most airplanes will cost you a hundred dollars an hour to fly. And I brought it down to closer to 20. So now moving forward, one of the things I'm doing is just emulating birds in that uh, the idea is, look, we have uh, odd weather, we have odd situations happening and, and birds have survived every extinction. They're all dinosaurs. They're hundreds of millions of years old. And uh, the idea here is that making flight available to each individual is what I'm working on for myself or anyone else that wants to do it. No, that, that's 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 a massively ambitious goal, and and I, and, I, and I'm and I'm sure we'll get into why your business strategy succeeds, where perhaps a lot of popular culture would say, "Oh no, it it shouldn't succeed because dot dot dot." But of course, you have been working on this a long time. So 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 my next question, of course, by way of introduction to you, where does your passion come from? Uh, just as an innovator, if you're an inventor, you're always looking for opportunities. And not and, and as your statement is like it's a massive challenge. I just don't. I, you won't perceive it as such. If you're an inventor, you always want to find something that you feel like you can have an impact on. And it might be an obvious solution, which is either technical or in many cases just social and uh, cultural. And so uh, I don't see it as a big challenge. I see it as more of one where there we have a cultural perception that certain things are either illegal or immoral or unviable. Uh, or technically challenging. But again, like I said, I, I don't see them as any of those. So I just simplify it down. So it's dumb enough that I can do it. <laughs> Perfect. And 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 you 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 mention you mention uh and, and to be fair, this is why it's great that you're dumbing it down for someone like myself and, and the audience who are uninitiated, which is my segue to what about the completely uninitiated out there? You mentioned you 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 had a gyrocopter back in 2005. Um, I did a teeny bit of research to discover what the difference between a gyrocopter is and a helicopter and why that might be uh, a little bit more desirable for, for, for a flying car and, and, and this type of technology. What, what should the completely uninitiated listener better understand about this technology? The, the main thing to, to understand today is that, again, it's a business case and it's a cultural case. One is that there are aircraft in the world that exist and people ride around on them. Many of them are airliners, which were originally designed as bombers and then they put seats in them. So, uh, uh, or reconnaissance aircraft, if you go kind of back to earlier days of, of balloons, et cetera. But um, uh, there, are, there has been a cultural desire for people to have three or four or 10 seats in an airplane. So there's many people flying together. If you look at the way people travel though, most of the time people travel alone. They'll buy a six seat car or it's a minivan and there's one person most of the time. So I look at that and say, well, you know, in reality, we don't need room for six people. We need for one, room for one person, maybe two. 87% of the trips in the EU can take place with a two seat vehicle. So what people are doing most of the time is they're carrying these bellicose machines around using up enormous amount of energy to travel in ways that are wickedly inefficient. And that's having a combined impact on our lives. I tell people, you don't need to save the world, you just have to kill it slower. Uh, what we're doing is we're polluting at a rapid rate. And so, like I said, you go back to birds, these things, birds can fly 7,000 kilometers on about less than 500 grams of fat. It's mind boggling what a bird can do. And they fly fast because it's efficient. So the, the, there are constants and variables. And in one of the constants we have as far as is traveling through the air is what people do. They, 
they're, they're, they're traveling through the air with bicycles you, you, where, or your car or your aircraft. The faster you go, the more drag you receive. So you're not going to receive that drag when you're walking. But as you go faster and faster, it's better to look like a submarine or a blimp than it does to look like a monster truck. And so there's a, uh, there's instantaneously people push me back and say, oh, it needs to look like a monster truck and it needs to have 10 seats. So I'm like, well, if that's your need, then there's nothing I can do for you. So what I do is I've kind of taken and said, look, I'm going to position my designs into racing because no one says, oh, every race car has 15 seats in it. Every racing airplane has room for 40 people. No, there's room for one. Okay, let's start somewhere. So again, if, if you reduce the work requirements, you re reduce the mission requirement, and it doesn't creep itself out into providing rides to your grandmother or whatever, then you can start somewhere. And what's happening is we need to start someplace. So I'm starting in racing, and uh, that's uh, I've got one or two seat machines, and I'm starting with things that are very quick and very efficient. And that's where I'm sitting today. You've seen my gyroplane design is, was a one-seater. I have a two-seat version as well. And I'm doing a new aircraft called the Street Wing, which I haven't really rolled out yet. I've been driving it and doing some, uh, some presentations here in California. I had it at the uh, LA Auto Show, and I had it recently at Art Center Design, and I've been showing it. But it's basically an electric vehicle that is re really changing, I think, the paradigm shift a bit, which is the idea is to position road vehicles and aircraft much like a sailboat. Now, the reason is people know sailboats have been used to travel for thousands of years, and they do that by harvesting the energy that's around them, whether it's the tides or the sun to warm them or the air to push them. No one's applying that to cars. No one's applying that in the way that we get around generally, which is there's a couple billion cars in the world. There's only a million airplanes. So most people are traveling over the ground with wheels. Yeah. And so I'm looking at that and saying, well, how do we do that in an efficient way that is very elegant and allows us to travel without creating pollution as a sailboat does? It's an elegant approach compared to powerboats. And, and as elegant as it is and as, as fantastic as this, this sort of concept is, you know, it marries with a lot of people's expectations of the future and science fiction and uh, what, what we hope uh, to maybe be doing. But uh, your business model works and others do not and and i think that kind of ties it to the to the business uh, owner the business operator where maybe they've cottoned onto something but they've got they've got a lot of criticism from people that haven't walked in their in their shoes i i, I wonder if you can speak to that because i think a lot of people would find uh, synergy so, so the business I'm getting into is in uh, by positioning my vehicles in the experimental aircraft world and in the motorcycle world. There's a reason for that. It's pretty simple. If you build an automobile in order to get it on the road, it's probably you're looking at a quarter billion dollars in regulations, testing, uh, uh, seatbelt challenges, uh, crash testing, etc. It's, it's very involved. And, and uh, you have to certify a lot of things. If you use a motorcycle, you can start by if you've already past the smog laws because you're starting with a with a with a power plant that has already received a uh, a certificate for uh, for air resources requirements and that's the foundation of your power plant right the other thing is very experimental aircraft these require no certification there is a very specific category of aircraft and there are, there are challenges where a person has to 
assemble these things. But I'm talking about non-zero flying cars. You can go out there today, and you can scour the world. You're not going to find five or six or 7,000 flying cars in operation. It's just not going to happen. You'd be lucky to find five, right? So what I'm doing is I'm starting somewhere so that we can take this perception of impossibility off of it. The experimental aircraft world is a viable uh, market. There's a, There are companies such as Vans Aircraft where they've probably got 10 or 12,000 of these aircraft flying. There's one about every day. Another one is added. There's more growth in the experimental aircraft market than there is in uh, in the general aviation market. And the reason is because uh, the regulations are so much, the requirements are so much lower for development, and yet you can travel with them all around the world. So by positioning it in those two areas, what you're doing is you're taking away the business question of saying, well, how do we certify this? Or how are we going to sell rides to the passengers? How do we look? I don't care about selling rides to passengers. That's not my business. I am not. It, it'd be like asking a person if you're going to buy a, a new automobile, you can only purchase it for the reasons of the rides that you're going to sell. That's not the general use case. Most people purchase an automobile because they want to go somewhere. They want to take their kids to school. So that those are the two worlds that I've positioned it in. Like I said, and those those are existing markets. There's. Uh, most people don't realize this, but there's probably only about a million aircraft. In there. Uh, a lot of those are in the military. Uh, there's a, there's 60,000 helicopters. When you see what people are perceiving now as flying cars or being touted as them, there's a whole lot of uh, scope creep as far as uh, the, the words right now. Drones, for instance. Drones are becoming used for everything. <laughs> Cruise missiles are being referred to as drones. What's happening, a lot of people perceive flying cars as being vertical takeoff vehicles that are similar to helicopters. Well, those are not flying cars. Those are multi-copters. And uh, a lot of that's being driven by uh, military contracts. In the United States, we have a group called Agility Prime out of the Air Force. They have some very specific requirements for the aircraft they want. So people are responding to that opportunity for revenue from the military, and they're developing aircraft that will give, that can potentially give people rides. Again, th they are also very defined as not being flying. Mine, I say, look, a flying car has wheels. It's street legal. You can drive it down the road. And there are 2 billion cars in the world that are registered. So that means being able to travel on the road is very important to a lot of people. And if you can respond to that market, then you're in a much better position than if you're trying to build an airplane for a couple, for a million people who most of the time don't even use them. Most aircraft sit on the runway all day because people can't afford the fuel. Yeah, lots of lots of uh, pools and uh, timeshares being sold. Um, you know, when the aircraft were designed, gasoline was about between twelve and twenty cents a gallon, and now it's closer to eight dollars. So the value of the aircraft will be spent many times over by the fuel that you burn today. And so again, most of those aircraft are shuttered. There's about three hundred and fifty thousand airplanes in the United States. We have most of them, and most of them are going to be sitting on the ground today. Mm. Which, I mean, which I guess is 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 a challenge, but you're trying to solve it using uh, a type of technology that allows you, yes, to go on all of the roads that we, you know, so what need, but but I guess you're targeting that unusual trip, that that spontaneous trip, because otherwise we could be talking about more trains, more buses, more more something else. But is 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 that where you're going with it? The unusual, the unplanned. That's correct. Well, it's not, it's really, it's not about commuting. I don't talk about commuting. People say, well, how do I get back and forth and back and forth and cut five minutes off my time? I say, look, that's not the battle I'm taking on. Again, it's, it's, it's about, it's about travel. 
then it's about getting out, it's about going somewhere, and it's about having a, a, removing those restrictions that you would have uh, as just a person walking or a person on a bicycle or a person driving a car. You're not gonna fly across the Grand Canyon in your Mercedes, but you'll be able to do it with my machines. And, and there's plenty of, of obstacles like that around the world. It's not about you know uh, this endless uh, life trap of commuting. That's not what I'm working in. And that's not where this is gonna begin, right? If data had a sound, it could be this. The sound of important and sensitive information leaking out of your business. MedCloud, get connected, cyber safe. That's again, that's a cultural agreement that you are going to not live at the place where you work, right? That's mm -hmm. entirely up to you. If anybody tells me they want me to solve my commuting problem, I say, great, I'll solve it. Move to move closer to work. You're done. There, I've yeah. solved it. Congratulations. That's not the problem I'm going to take on. And then they'll come up with reasons why they can't. Well, that's entirely yours. So what I'm proposing is that there are viable industries in the aviation market for experimental aircraft. There are lots of power plants out there, both gasoline powered, electrical, diesel powered, that have smog certificates that allow you to take an engine across the road. And by marrying those things together, airframes follow power plants. You, 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 once you have a viable power plant, you can make an airframe that works with that. And that's that's, that requires no certifications, no certification costs. You can do the development, you can build these machines and you can manufacture them. I'll be doing that. I'll be starting in the racing world. We'll start with races. We'll start with expeditions. And from that, it will trickle into more use cases. And again, like I said, culturally, what will happen initially is, is by having non-zero vehicles out there and not ones that are just saying, well, we're going to wait around until we can do a SPAC and raise $2 billion to give rides to people. Well, that's not really viable. What's going to happen is those companies, those, those approaches always get absorbed by the military and they tend to start with, oh, we're going to do humanitarian projects, and then it becomes reconnaissance, and then it becomes, uh, you know, uh, uh, disaster support, and then it becomes assassination. So it's like all roads lead to assassination. These vehicles. I'm not making use cases for military obligations, yeah. but but there's money there. There's then, plenty of there's plenty of but, funding. But it's viable, and and I and I saw on one of your previous interviews you built a rocket at the age of 19, and you, and you sold it. Well, uh, Robert Truax sold it. I, I helped assemble it. I was working on it. I worked on it for several years without being paid. We were all kind of volunteers. Uh, Robert Truax was the former head of the U.S. Uh, Space De Department, basically at the Navy. Uh, he hired uh, uh, Von Braun when he came over in Operation Paperclip. And as he got older, he said, hey, look, this has become the whole industry has gone off the rails. There's a way to do this more viably. And 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 uh, I was in the Air Force at that time, and I was seeing what the, the amount of money that was being spent for procurement. It was shocking to many people, but to us, it was an everyday occurrence that you would spend $80,000 on a coffee maker. And so seeing this, we knew very well, like if this is happening uh, in one branch of the military, and it's also happening at NASA, which was the U.S. Uh, Space Agency, and they had a lot of requirements that when they procured items for the space agency, they had to have a certain amount of involvement from different states. And it was a very bellicose system. And so we knew like we could do this and we could build these machines. 
So we, we did assemble a, a, a rocket. We did, um, I did put it all together for presentation and shot photos and Bob sold that to uh, Pete Wilhelm who was running Naval Research Labs. And that infused us with cash around uh, just about 800,000, I think at that time, which again was non-zero. And, and that really started sparking things up. Later down the years, uh, Peter Diamandis started the uh, X Prize based on uh, what we had done. And he said, hey, look, people like that would actually do this if we, if we found a way to incentivize them. I, I, was a, I was a judge on the X Prize because of the work I'd done previously. I'd been in it for 20 years now. It's like I'm a 40 year veteran of space, private space mm. world. And it's happening, as you can see. We knew, we said, hey, look, there's a trillion dollar business here uh, if people want to do this. And now you're seeing that happening, uh, not only from investment, but just uh, there, there is, a, there is a, a business cycle for private rocket ships. And so uh, I also, I, I'll just say, I also walked away from it in 2000 because oh, yeah. I knew, I knew, and I talked to some people that we've all heard of. I mean, we, these people, we were lightning rods for these folks. And just to cut you off and say, I knew at that time, it's like I was done with rockets and with being in a workshop dealing with it, I wanted to be involved in the activities of travel and flight. And I just told some of these famous rocket guys, not rocket guys, um, you know, uh, tech bros. I said, hey, I'm, you, you can't fail at this business. You have too much money to fail and there's too much in it. I'm going to start flying cars. And they didn't understand it. And I was like, I'll tell you about it later. Well, well certainly you get, you get your hands uh, dirty again. You get, you get, you know, to experience what you're, what you're doing. And, 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 and I guess maybe that, that leads to another question, which I think could provide inspiration for business leaders, I suppose. Some people say that it, it, it's not the idea, it's the execution of the idea. But you're an inventor and you've managed to execute uh, very, very well. Do, do, does, does that chime with you? Do you recognize that? Um, or, or is that not as uncommon a dynamic as many people think? It's critical to, again, uh, as you said, for execution, it's critical to keep your concept from scope creeping its way into where the perceived market is if you want to achieve something that hasn't been done and and when i say it hasn't been done meaning uh it hasn't there hasn't been a groundswell of usage because things tend to morph into easier business models like i said it might be something where suddenly people are like well you know you were going to do this for reason x but bob just wants his pizzas delivered let's just deliver Bob's pizza. So what happens is opportunities start to show up and, and people in these businesses tend to do things that they can succeed at. Uh, I'll say like, for instance, Virgin Orbital just uh, closed down a couple of weeks ago. And that's not surprising. And many of these companies, uh, and I won't even get into it about saying which ones are going to shut down. And when you do these projects, one thing you find out very quickly is when people get in with a head of steam, they like to do things they can succeed at. So if you don't know how to actually uh, manufacture an Inconel tank and create quality bonding across a wide temperature range with a, with a carbon outer shell, what you're gonna do is throw a party that has a lot of people that are famous that showed up that will buy some tickets that will get you some press. And you're gonna have great napkins and maybe a key fob that they can walk home with that has your brand on it, which has a really beautiful logo that you were able to create. And so they kick the hard work to the end. 
I was pretty early on when I was, uh, uh, I used to race bicycles and my, my partner Craig developed a carbon bicycle. I remember reading about the uh, 500cc turbo Honda motorcycle. And they asked the engineers in an interview, they said, why did you guys start with a 500cc? It's tiny. They said, because we knew that would be the most difficult engine to work with. And if we did any large ones after that, it would be easier. It was a brilliantly great approach. And that's the way you do it is when you start these projects, if you know what the real challenge is against you, you have to attack that first because that's when you have the most energy and the most resources. As it goes farther down, what will happen in these, as you said, with execution, generally people start with a lot of resources. They say, let's do what we can. Let's do what we know we can succeed at. We can make look like we're winners and we'll just keep pushing the hard part to the back. And we'll just browbeat those engineers and we'll browbeat the mechanics until they succumb and actually listen to us and do that impossible thing that we were supposed to do at the beginning. And then they fail because the business changes because they're like, well, you know what we found out? We're really just a great marketing company. We thought we were a spaceship company, but we're actually just really just good at PR. And you'll see that and you look at all these tombstones and you can't assume that that's not gonna to apply to you, that's wrong. You say like, hey, what was the failure they made? How do I avoid that? And a lot of time it's just taking investment. People are like, dude, you gotta find rich people to give you lots of money. Hmm, really? Is that always gonna work? Well, show me where it did. And what you find is a lot of these previous attempts were people came in with investment money and they browbeat somebody into saying, look, you've got to do it in a way that we really think is going to be working. And people are like, well, we don't know that that's going to work. Well, we don't know that it won't. Well, it's a circular argument. So again, you have to not scope creep it. You have to kind of stick with what you're doing. My whole position on this. And so, uh, you know, to get back to the space world, the reason we were doing that was we said, we knew, uh, Eventually, people have to get off this planet and creatures have to get off this planet because life is more interesting than minerals. And if you think that's the case, and at some point we got to go before the sun burns us up, we have windows of opportunity for that. My position to walk away from the space business was I felt like, okay, I've done my share and it's a rough life. I don't really want to do it anymore. And right now, the idea of creating vehicles and uh, experiences that are more efficient is again, to reduce the amount of damage that we create. And it's to buy us time. What I've learned over my, uh, my life of doing different projects is that sometimes you're up against the wall and if you just had another day or another dollar or another six weeks, it would have a huge impact. And I think that's where we are today. We've been polluting the snot out of this world. And what we need to do is buy time by reducing the impact that we have on it. And that can be a simple matter of reducing our uh, desires for unlimited, for extreme wants, and also just the amount of uh, energy we use to find ourselves in places that we want to be or get away from places we don't want to be. It's a very, very uh, substantial impact in trying to reduce that. Again, just as animals do, they can be very effective. Which is a far cry from what might be easy with flying cars, which is uh, I've got a theme park and I want an amusement ride and so now i've got that and it's amusing and it's 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 an easy goal but 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 your 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 vision is bigger and and i think that will that more will it's more organic yeah. i guess I'm, I'm trying to be more organic i mean there there were reptiles that were flying you know 80 million years ago people are a couple hundred thousand years old and there's and they're walking around with the perception that people can't fly sometimes so the first aircraft you know we uh the, the mongolfier brothers were using balloons probably 300 years ago now 
And then the first powered aircraft was a battery powered dirigible. And you look at the gliders, et cetera. But the reality is that uh, efficiencies provide the opportunity to travel. And uh, as exploring is something we like to do. And it just comes down to whether or not you say, well, I need to uh, be miserable long enough that I can take an exploration or just mold that into your life. That's what I'm trying to do with my machines. It's just more of an, like I said, we'll start with explorations and racing and then people can take it from there. But it'd be non-zero and it will be, not, it will be perceived as being really obvious and simple and why not? Mm. And there, like I said, there, it's not just business cases for it, but there are avenues that are unrestricted that allow you to do this. As I told you earlier, people will generally just tell me, look, it's not allowed. It's physically impossible. It's unviable. The world would be so crowded that no one can get around. None of those statements are correct. There's a way to work through all of them. Yeah, Chris, uh, it, it would seem gyrocopters have been around for a long time. Yeah, most of them are junky. They have been around for a hundred years. Uh, as of about a year ago, I think one or two years ago was a hundred year anniversary. And gyroplanes are one approach. I'm also using wings on my new machine. There's plenty of ways to fly, but gyroplanes are, are quite a, a good approach for flying cars because they're very easy to store in a small place. They're easy to break down and incredibly uh, um, and, and reliable and affordable. So, 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 so with that in mind, I, I wonder, could you offer business owners out there a, a bit of encouragement? Um, because, because you, uh, you know, you must, must have faced naysayers. You must have faced a lot of naysayers that didn't really know what they're talking about as well. Um, but, but yet you, you, you kept going and you've, you've, you've realized uh, several inventions. Um, what should the average uh, business owner out there sort of, you know, better, better know, or, or, or what words of encouragement would you have for them? Uh, I would just say that, uh, again, a flying car is a way to travel across the ground. Then the automotive industry is the biggest industry in the world and people want to keep moving. And to think that you couldn't apply the largest industry in the world to a lightweight uh, regime. So for instance, there, there are very few components that you can take from the automotive world and apply them to what I'm doing. There's very few bicycle components, components that you can apply. You have to make new stuff. So what there is to the, to the average, if, you're, if you own a machine shop or you're a developer or a designer, there's an entire weight class in there that has been, that is wide open for development, for, uh, for engineering, for marketing. And uh, you're, it's, it's untapped. I'll just say that it's untapped. And so I would just say that there's a huge opportunity for, for that uh, uh, that regime to be swallowed up by industry. Love it. Um, and, and so what's what's next for you? Are you are you on your travels? Are you are you going to be presenting uh, uh, around the world? Where could people find you? Uh, I'm in I'll, I'm in Los Angeles for much of the summer. I'm working here. Uh, I'll be working on the street wing. I'm going to be rolling it out and doing some solar testing with it, which is just I'm just doing uh, getting some numbers for how it will perform uh, without by by harvesting its own energy. So that that will set me up for some expeditions. So uh, yeah, most of them will be in the U.S. this this summer, just testing the machines I have. They're already uh, drivable and, and et cetera and flyable. So I'll just be doing some some groundwork with it. And uh, for presentations, I don't think I have anything on the books except today. A lot of those got slowed down during COVID, but uh, I think 
I'll do some press releases, like I said, and we'll, we'll just see who comes to the forefront. Fantastic. Well, hopefully we've uh, inducted a whole new generation of uh, business leaders that have not thought um, about your work and this uh, field. Hopefully we've inspired them to, to, to look beyond their own preconceptions about flying cars. Um, and, uh, and and I suppose that's what we're trying to do. We we have enough uh, IT content on, on, on this podcast. And I think it's very important to to, to look at business cases and you know, we met at what what is an ostensibly IT related event in Dubai, right? Right. Um, uh, back in 2020, uh, people what... throw me in as an as a foil. Oh, so, you know, I'm just saying, like, it, it's it's the right group of people because they have to be fairly open minded in order to be. in it was an IT and a crypto conference, so you have to have an open mind and a technical prowess. And so, I think the reason I was there was that. Uh, uh, again, you can go through all the work I do with a fine tooth comb, whether it's legal or technical, and you'll be coming out saying, oh, yeah, okay, it's not stupid. <laughs> which is which is, which is is a, a refreshing change from some of that uh, investors in solution in search for oh, a problem. Yeah, yeah, different. Which is uh, really good. Well, thank you very much for being such a great panelist uh, on our podcast today. It's been a pleasure having you on and catching up. Um, I'm going to follow your work with interest and I look forward to seeing you again very, very soon. Are you going to be back in Dubai? Because I'll probably be at JTEX this year in October. I'll get back uh, now and again. I will I will get back. Um, but um, let's let's see how we can make it out. I also, right, uh, I also go out to Los Angeles uh, a few times a year. We'll check in. I'll take you flying. Okay. <laughs> fantastic. Well, uh, thanks very much. This has been another fantastic edition of the Vanguard Podcast. NetCloud. Get connected. CyberSafe is our mantra. From tailored, managed security solutions to our next generation cloud platform, NetCloud will drive your organization forward and help it thrive. You can keep up to date with us in all things cybersecurity by following us on Twitter at NetCloud underscore com. We're also on LinkedIn and YouTube. You can find the links to our social media pages and blogs via our website, metcloud.com. <laughs>